0: you for that amazing, wonderful love that you have for us. God, I praise your name for just how you pour out your amazing grace and your amazing love on such undeserving people. Lord, it, it is amazing to me how an almighty God, a pure and holy God, could love such a wretch as I. Lord, I just pray, God, that you just inspire us through this word that will be preached now, through the word that you have spoken to us clearly, that we have the word of God in our hands. I pray, God, that we would focus on it. We would let it speak to us. We would let it transform our lives. God, our desire is to bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus. We exist for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to that name. So, God, I pray that you would just open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds to what we need to hear from you. God, transform us through your word this morning and get glory for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we are continuing in our series that we just started uh, last week called Regifted. And I didn't really do a good job explaining about why I called the series Regifted. Uh, Besides to tell you that we were talking about spiritual gifts, uh, we are all gifted with certain abilities when we're born, right? Each one of us has the ability to do something. I mean, I don't know. Maybe your thing is like bowling. Uh, Maybe your thing is like carpentry. Uh, Maybe your thing is like you're really good at math. I mean, I don't know what your thing is. Uh, For me, God made me a a geek when he made me in the womb. When he he pieced me together in the womb, he kind of made me a nerd, and that's okay uh, that that's, that's kind of who I am. I have kind of a weird thing about me. I have the ability to memorize stuff really weird, really uh, well. And I don't know why that is. I think that God has used that uh, in my sermons. Because I I, you guys know I don't use notes. I just stand up here and I preach the word from, from the Bible. I don't really use notes. Um, and God is really, when I, when I was born, I was able to, to remember stuff really well. Well, even stranger than that, somebody reminded me about this a few weeks ago. Uh, a guy that goes to this church, he said, he said, I remember something that you're able to do, which is really, really weird. Uh, back in about ninth grade, tenth grade, in high school, I was really bored in in study hall one day, and and I, I wish I could have slept during study hall; that'd have been a better thing to do. But instead, because I was a geek, because I was a nerd, I thought it would be good to memorize the number pi as many decimal places as I could. Y'all know what pi is. Uh, it's the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter, for those of you that want to look it up later. Uh, but it was written, uh, it's the 3.14 number that everybody remembers, you know. And it was written along the, uh, the wall, at the top of the wall. It happened to be a math teacher that I was in su- uh, study hall with. And it was written at, along the top of the wall. And I said, well, let me just see how many numbers I can memorize. The weirder thing than the fact that I memorized 55 decimal places of, of pi, the weirder thing than that is the fact that I still remember it to this day. I don't know why. Apparently, I moved from short-term memory to long-term memory, and I, I can't forget it. Uh, I, I will share it with you because I know that this buddy of mine that, that uh, said he remembered this about me, he, he would want me to share it. So I will do it. Uh, understand that, that there is no benefit to this whatsoever. This is strictly just a, a parlor trick, if you will. Uh, but I will do it for you now just because everybody would be like, can he really do that? And they're not going to put it on the screen or anything like that. Trust me, it's correct when I tell you. I've tried to forget it. It can't happen. Three point one four one five nine two six five three five eight nine seven nine three two three eight four six two six four three three eight three two seven nine five zero two eight eight four one nine seven one six nine three nine nine three seven five one zero five eight two zero nine. I don't know why. Okay, I don't. I don't get it. That's fifty-five decimal places of pi. It moved somewhere in my brain. Something shifted. Something broke, and it moved from short-term memory into long-term memory. And I wish I could forget it. There've been times when I've gone a year without saying it, and somebody will say, "Hey, can you still do that pi thing that you do?" And I'm like. I wish you wouldn't have asked that. I was trying to forget it, it was like a year since somebody had asked me that. But anyway, thank you, Brian, for bringing that up and asking me to do that. Um, I had hoped to forget it, but apparently I wasn't able to do that. But anyway, so we all have strange gifts when we're born, and we all have certain abilities when we're born. But when, when God saves us, when the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms us, uh, we have certain abilities that are bestowed upon us through that Holy Spirit and I want to read from Romans chapter 12. I'm going to put it on the screen because I didn't tell them ahead of time I was going to do this, but uh, God just encouraged me to do this this morning. But in Romans chapter 12, it talks about these gifts, and um, it says in, in verse uh, of Romans 12, it says, "In His grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, I speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your faith is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouraged, be encouraging." Uh, if it's giving, then give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take responsibility seriously. And if the, you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Um, we started out by talking about this last week and how God has given us these spiritual gifts. We've been re-gifted, if you will. We, we had gifts to begin with, but God through His Holy Spirit has given us new gifts and new abilities when His Holy Spirit came in to dwell within us and, and live with inside of us. Uh, and God has given us different abilities. Some of us to be able to give. Uh, some of us have a heart of giving. Some, some people just want to pour out. They're like, look, I can't do anything else necessarily, but I know that I can give. I, I can give monetarily. I can give them my time. I can give them my resources. I can do stuff. I've got uh, just ability to give, and they do that with, with a great abundance. And some people are great teachers. Some people are fantastic teachers. They have the ability to communicate well and connect with people well, so they they teach and they tell people either what God says or or maybe they teach in a school or something like that and, and they're able to teach. But God has given us these abilities through His Holy Spirit to do different things and to do them well. Well, what we talked about in Romans chapter 12... We all know that Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to determine what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. You know, we were talking about that last week. And what we said is that when we start to use these gifts, what we believe Paul was actually talking about, instead of being conformed to the pattern of sin that is in this world, I think that what Paul was talking about is using what God has given you to serve everybody else. It's a a mindset of service, which is actually very contrary to what this world says. The world says that you're supposed to look out for number one. That's what we said last week, right? That you're supposed to, if you don't take care of you, nobody else will, so you need to take care of you, and then don't worry about anybody else. Well, what God says through his word is you need to worry about everybody else, and then you need to worry about you last on that list. You need to be at the very bottom of the list. You put Jesus at the top, and then you put everybody else, and you put yourself last. And if you do that, God will transform your mind. He will shape you and mold you and begin to do something inside of you that you can't explain. And you'll start to think differently start to act differently. As soon as you start to do these things, you put these spiritual gifts into place. And you start to work and and work through them and and figure out what God is trying to do in your life and how he has gifted you for a specific purpose and put you in a specific place to use these gifts. So we're going to talk about this morning about a guy using his gifts that God has given him. He, he is in a specific place. It's kind of weird where he is, but he's doing what God's called him to do, and he's sharing the gospel. His name is Philip. We're going to be in the book of Acts, chapter 8, if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bible there. This Philip actually, Scripture indicates in Acts 6 that this is not necessarily the same Philip that we know of to be the, the uh, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. This is actually... Uh, somebody that would have been a deacon, a servant in the church, that he was actually just there. He had been chosen to go and prepare some food and get some food together for people, and, and now he's just kind of a servant, which, by the way, the word deacon really just means servant, somebody that is called to serve. And here we've got Philip in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26, doing something great with the gifts that God has given him. And I just want to point this out to you today. I just want to show you an example of somebody using what God has gifted him with for God's glory, for for it to to bring glory to God and for it to bring somebody to salvation. In verse 26, it says this, as for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down to the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. All right, there's a gift in there. You say, what's the gift? Uh, You remember we talked about in Romans chapter 12 where it said the gift of prophecy, now, I want you to understand that prophecy has many different shapes, forms, and and, 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 and takes its, its uh, what am I trying to say? It, it manifests itself in a whole bunch of different ways, and one of the ways that prophecy can manifest itself is by God, all it is, all prophecy is, is you saying, I believe this is what God's saying to me. I believe that God is speaking either to me or to a group of people, and I believe that, that this is what God is saying, and that's all prophecy really is. Um, it's just proclaiming what you feel like God, the Holy Spirit, is telling you. And, and here we see a man who actually, even though God is telling him to do so, he's doing something about it. What is God telling him to do? He says, go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, sometimes it don't make a whole lot of sense what the Spirit of God is telling us to do. Sometimes, here it says, an angel of the Lord said to him. Now, what this is really referring to is actually uh, an angel speaking through him, through the Holy Spirit. So, if you want to think about this in terms, think about it. it's actually the Holy Spirit through an angel speaking to Philip, telling him he needed to go down to Gaza. It's like, okay. So, God is speaking to Philip. He's doing what God is saying this is actually a form of prophecy. God leads you to do different kind of stuff. If you will tune into the Holy Spirit of God, if you'll stop listening to your own selfish desires and stuff for a little while, there have been times when I I kneel down and pray, okay? I I do this sometimes on a a Sunday morning very specifically, but God, where do you want me to go this morning before church? Uh, And it's six o'clock in the morning. A lot of times I'm at Walmart. Sometimes I'm Different places around town, I was like, Holy Spirit, you lead me. You get my mind ready for what I have to preach and what I'm ready, get my mind ready for what I have to say today. And here, you see Philip doing the same thing. I believe that if you will tune out every other voice in the world and you will focus in on the voice of the Holy Spirit, God can lead you and direct you in every single step that you take. If you say, God, I just, today I want to glorify you. I want to witness to somebody. I want to tell somebody about how good Jesus is. Tell me who that person is supposed to be. I really, really, really believe that God will speak to you and he will show you. And he will speak directly to your heart through his Holy Spirit and say, this is where you need to go. And maybe you're driving down the road and God will say, turn left. You're supposed to turn right, but you're supposed to turn left is what God says to you. You know what you need to do if you're going to follow the Holy Spirit? You need to turn left. You need to follow the Holy Spirit literally and say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? I want this to bring glory to you. Even if it's a matter of turning right or left, God, I want this choice at this red light to to bring glory and honor to you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit of God will direct you if you will tune into his voice and tune out every other voice in the world. Here, Philip's saying, okay. Now, I want you to understand that there's something implied here. The thing that's implied is, what do I do when I get down to Gaza? That's very simple. It's the same thing that Philip is seen doing uh, in the book of Acts, which is sharing the gospel, telling people about Jesus. It's not necessarily said here, but it is implied because you know what Philip did anywhere he went? He told them about Jesus. He preached the gospel. He told them about God's saving grace and his mercy, and that's, that's what he did everywhere he went. So if the Holy Spirit was leading him down to Gaza, he said, Well, you know, when I go to Gaza... I guess I need to share the gospel with them. I need to tell them about Jesus. And that's implied here because that's what the Holy Spirit didn't have to say go to Gaza and share the gospel because that's what he did everywhere that he went. So in verse 27 it says, So he started out and he met the treasurer of, the, of uh, Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandiki, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch uh, had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, you may be following the Holy Spirit, and you may be thinking, I'm supposed to turn left and not turn right, but God may say, he may bring somebody at the stoplight right beside you and say, that's the person you need to share the gospel with. That's exactly what happened to Philip right here. He's he's going down to Gaza thinking that, man, i got to get to Gaza because i got to share the gospel down there. Well, on the road, on the way to, to Gaza, God has another plan in mind. I'm telling you, sometimes on your way to what you think is a destination, what you think God is telling you to do, it's in the middle of the journey is where God will interrupt everything and go, that's the reason I brought you on this journey to begin with, is so you could, along the way, you could meet and find this person, you could meet and find the situation where you were supposed to pour your life into. And that's exactly what happens to Philip. He, he runs to this guy who's a eunuch. Um, I'm not going to go into a lot of details because there's some kids in the room, but I will say that, that the eunuch has had some parts of his body removed, okay? Typically, this was done by choice, and the purpose of that was that if he was in charge of people that were over the queen of Ethiopia, what would happen is that they would make sure that he wasn't going to do anything with the queen of Ethiopia. So by virtue of that, they would have certain parts of their body removed so that wasn't an issue, okay? And that's all I'm going to say about that. This guy was in charge and involved with the queen of Ethiopia... And he comes to Jerusalem to worship. Now, this is a big deal, okay? Yeah, he's, he's in a carriage. Uh, y- your Bible may say he's in a chariot. Um, this is like 1,200 miles or something ridiculous. I mean, this is like a long journey. This is a long way. And here is a seeking heart of God, somebody that, that wants to worship the one true God, and he goes to Jerusalem to find this God to worship. And I think what happened when this... When this eunuch got, got to Jerusalem to worship, I think that he came back empty. I think all he found there was the Pharisees and Sadducees. that were very pompous and they were self-absorbed and not about true, truly worshiping God. And I believe they were probably just artificial and superficial. And the Ethiopian probably came back going, man, this is not what I was hoping for. This is not what I'd hoped to see. I'd hoped to get a true experience of God and worship the one true God, but all I did was I came away empty once I saw the way that they were worshiping and saw what they were doing. But luckily for this man, not luckily, there's no luck involved, okay? This is the hand of God at work in a man who has a seeking heart for God. What happens is this man, as he's traveling along, and it was very customary in that day and that time for the people of this area to, to talk out loud or to read out loud. And here he is, he's a man, he's got a seeking heart for God, and he starts to read out loud from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip just happens to be there on the same road that day. Philip just happens to be right there in that place because he was following what God had to say, and he was doing what God told him to do, and he's right there to hear this Ethiopian uh, reading the prophet Isaiah out loud. It says, "'The Holy Spirit said to Philip, "'Go over and walk along beside the carriage.'" Once again, the Holy Spirit is literally directing his steps in such a way that he's saying, you need to go and walk beside the chariot, walk beside the carriage where the Ethiopian is riding, and you need to listen to what's going on. I'm sure at some point in time, God's going to call you to do some weird stuff. I mean, it's going to look crazy. He may be calling you to start a church in a grocery store. I don't know, but God's going to call you to do some weird stuff, man, and you're going to go, are you sure? I don't think this is God talking. I don't think this could possibly be what God is saying for me to do. I promise you, the more and more you tune in, you start listening and responding to that voice of God, the easier it will be to understand and respond to that voice of God. Uh, you have to commit yourself to doing some crazy stuff, some outlandish stuff sometimes, and saying, I, you know what, I, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but this sure seems like God's calling me to do this, so I'm just going to do it, and I'm going to pray that God will direct my steps, and then... Lo and behold, before you know it, you think you've got something in mind and God interrupts you right in the middle of your journey. He goes, no, no. I got you on the right path, but that was just to get you on the path. Now you've got to take another step of obedience by going and walking beside the chariot, by going and and doing something more outlandish and more crazy, by going and listening to this guy and tuning in on his conversation with himself. It says in verse 30, Philip ran. (laughs) The Holy Spirit said, go over and walk beside the carriage... Verse 20 said, Philip ran. That's a sign of zeal for what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. They said, go walk beside the carriage, and Philip ran over there. Um, You know, the Holy Spirit is telling him to walk, but he's running. You know why? Because he knows this is God. He knows that it's God's voice telling him to do this. So he runs over there, and he heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, hey, man, do you understand what you're reading? Do you get it? Hey, brother, you, you got a clue what's going on in that passage? Uh, that's the Kenny Nicks translation, not the NLT. Uh, Do you understand what you're reading, is what he says? Verse 31 says, A man replied, How can I? Uh, unless someone instructs me. And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. He says, How can I understand this unless i got somebody to teach me? And Philip goes, Ha! I bet I know somebody. Now some people would say, some people would say in this situation, in this spiritual situation, they go, "Oh, wait a second! I need to go grab Kenny, and I need to bring him over here to tell you what the Word of God is saying right here. Uh, I need to go bring so and so because they're sp- more spiritually depth; they got more spiritual depth than I. They, they know more about the Bible than I. So I need to go get them and let them tell you uh, what God has to say to you right here. And what I would say to you is, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. When God puts you in those situations and you're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and, and God is speaking to you clearly, you know what you need to do? You need to step up. Uh, you need to get off your rear end, and you need to go, and you need to pursue, and you need to go. God has put me in this situation. I may not have a whole depth of spiritual knowledge, and I may not know the Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation, but it's okay. God has brought me here for a specific purpose, to tell these people what I do know. See, God's going to use you and equip you in a way that, that you can be used and equipped. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's already got a plan. He already knows what's going on. So when he puts you in that situation, you don't need to say, you don't need to cower down and say, well, that's not me. You, you don't need to cower down and say, well, this is really not for me. We need to go find somebody that is for. You need to step up and say, yes, indeed, God brought me here, so God's going to use me. God's going to give me the words. We see that time and time and again in Scripture. I right? just brought to mind when I think about uh, when, when, uh, when the disciples were brought in front of the, the Pharisees and they were on trial and stuff, and, and Jesus would tell them, so like, you don't have to worry. The Holy Spirit's going to give you the words that you need to say. The Holy Spirit's going to tell you exactly what you need to say. That is the case in your life as well. That is the case in Philip's life here too. All he knows to do is preach the gospel. And the Ethiopian says, hey, get up in the carriage with me and sit down. Come sit beside me. This must have been uh, a pretty good sign for Philip. You know, hey, this Ethiopian from a different culture, different uh, ethnicity, everything is asking me to come and sit beside him. That must mean that, that, that God has orchestrated this, that God is working, so I need to respond. It says a passage of scripture I've been reading was this. He was like a sheep to the slaughter as a lamb before silent before the shears and he did not open his mouth he was humiliated and received no justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth now who is he talking about who is the prophet Isaiah talking he's talking about Jesus right Now, he's talking about how when he's brought before the the council and he was put on trial, he didn't say anything. He just stood silently there. Let him cast a despicable sentence on him, a a sentence of death. But it was all for a purpose. It was all God's plan. And that was the perfect plan of redemption for you and I. So if we put our faith and trust in Jesus and his sacrifice, that we can be set free from sin. And that's exactly what the passage is talking about in Isaiah here. It's like a, a sheep to the slaughter. The perfect lamb of God that was brought to die for you and I. He was brought there. He kept his mouth shut and he was humiliated. They plucked the the, the beard from his face. They, They stripped him naked. They beat him to the point where you couldn't recognize him as a human being. And he was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The life of Jesus was taken from the Earth, you know who the descendants are, you know who the descendants of Jesus are it 's those of us that have been adopted into the family of God through the redemption uh, the redemptive power of salvation that you and I who, who were orphans that, that we had no hope, we had no way of getting to God, that because of this sacrifice, because Jesus was willing to take all of our sins upon him, that we are now his descendants, we are heirs in a royal priestly kingdom we are, we are heirs to the throne because of that. Uh, amazing grace that was poured out uh, on the cross for us. And Philip, here he is. You know, I mean, this is not a complex passage. I think any one of us, if we saw somebody reading this, we would go, I know what that passage is talking about. Let me tell you who that passage is talking about. Philip says that. Verse 34 says, The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He says, man, I, I don't understand this. I, I need somebody to explain it to me. Let me tell you something. I, I've heard this, uh, is, I think it was St. Francis, Francis of Assisi, it was his name. And he said that, that, that share the gospel and when necessary, use words. And, and the implication is that, that your life should be an example of the gospel. And, and everything that you do should, should be a way of sharing the gospel by the way that you live your life. That you live an example of the gospel, right? And that's good advice. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that advice. You should and you should portray grace as you live your life. But nobody ever got saved by just looking at you. Eventually, you got to open your mouth. Eventually, you got to say something. Eventually, you got to get out of your comfort zone and say, the reason I live my life is this. And you speak up and words come out of your mouth. You begin to teach. You begin to proclaim the good news of Jesus. And that's how people come to faith in Christ. It's really good to live your life as an example for Christ, and that's fantastic, good stuff. But let me tell you this, nobody ever got saved by looking at the way you live. People get saved by you opening your mouth and telling them the good news of Jesus. And that is exactly what Philip does here. He says, so he began to tell him the good news of Jesus. You know what you need to do in your life? Uh, You need to bring people to small groups. You need to invite them to come to Simple Church. You need to to tell them about the D-NOW weekend that's going on February 13th to the 15th. You need to do all that stuff, but you also need to talk to people. You need to tell them the good news of Jesus. Uh, You may feel uncomfortable about doing that. You may say, well, that's not for me. Uh, My challenge to you would be that if the Holy Spirit of God lives within you, you have the ability. You are equipped for that very purpose. You are commanded by God to go and make disciples, which is what we're all about here in in, uh, Simple Church. So let me tell you something. That is what you need to do. Now, it's coming from the pulpit. I can tell you with all assurance on heaven and on earth, I, I can tell you that you're supposed to tell people the good news of Jesus. And, and it's just as simple as that. And here we see Philip doing that very thing through the spiritual gifts that God has given him, the Holy Spirit of God leading him in the conversation. It says, as they rode, they came to some water. The eunuch said, look, there's some water. <laughs> I, I know Philip must have been going. I know what's coming. God, I can see what you're doing right now. We just happened to ride up on some water? Yeah, right. That's not an accident. God, I know what you're doing. I know what he's fixing to say. Sure enough, he says, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? You're supposed to be baptized. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're to be baptized. If you have proclaimed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're to be baptized. Um, I can tell you something about myself. I I, I surrendered my heart and life to Jesus Christ at the age of nine, but it affected me because I did not get baptized until I was 21 years old. That affected my faith walk. If you cannot take that first step of obedience and being baptized then that is a problem. It it affects you. It affects your level of obedience and your follow-through and all the things that you're supposed to do as you follow the Holy Spirit. One of the things that you're supposed to do to commit yourself to living a life that that glorifies God is you're supposed to take that step into the water and say, I need to be baptized. And this eunuch, immediately when he came to salvation, when he came to recognize who Jesus was and he came to repentance, he recognized that he needed to be baptized. And he looks at Philip and he says, why can't I be baptized? And I imagine Philip was probably going... Well, I guess you can, you know. And, and let me tell you, if you're in this place and you've never been baptized, you need to be baptized. Uh, it, there is a, a, a reference here that I want you to recognize that, that uh, some, uh, immersion is the way to be baptized because it said, look what it says. He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water. And they went down into the water and, and, and Philip baptized him and they came up out of the water, it says in verse 39. The spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went away rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north in the town of Astimus. Uh, he, he preached the good news there in every town along the way till he came to Caesarea. So what happened here? Philip, giving, using the gifts that God had given him, He's on his way somewhere We think thinks God's directing him. And it turns out that God's got another plan. And right in the middle, he interrupts his plan and says, here's a person you need to share the good news of Jesus with. Now, a man who's obviously got a seeking heart, he's reading the book of Isaiah. He didn't find what he was looking for when he went to Jerusalem because somebody didn't tell him when he was there. But apparently, he found it on his way back because Philip was there. He runs up beside the carriage and he says, hey, man, do you understand what you're reading? It, this is not a complicated story. This is not something that's like, oh, my gosh, You know, I could never do that. There's no way that I could could raise the dead or something like this. This is a man who God was directing his steps and telling him where to go and what to do, and he was obedient to it, and he told somebody about Jesus, and then he, he baptized him. He said, you know what? You need to be baptized. They went down, and then they came up. They never saw each other again. Philip went on his way, continuing to preach the gospel, continuing to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I can imagine that as Philip went on to preach the gospel in these other places, went on to Caesarea, I imagine that that Philip was so in tune with the Holy Spirit and what God was leading him to do that there was other steps for him to take, other ways for him to use those spiritual gifts. Here's the bottom line. Here's what it all boils down to, folks. God's given you the gifts. God has regifted you. You're born a certain way, certain abilities, certain talents. The Holy Spirit comes to live with inside you you got new gifts and new abilities and new things that the Holy Spirit has has gifted you with. Now, there's only one thing left to do. That's obedience. That's following the leadership of the Holy Spirit that gave you those gifts. It's whether or not you'll choose to to do what God's calling you to do. Will you be obedient in in God's calling in your life? Will you be as obedient as this this eunuch who, who... just went to Jerusalem seeking God, and he comes back, thought that he missed the whole thing, and, and God interrupts his life and says, here I was the whole time, and this dirty guy walking down along the side of the road, I had a plan, I was coming to get you. You didn't see it, you didn't know it was coming, but I was coming for you. Philip and his obedience and his willingness to do that, and then this eunuch says, Philip, I'm following your example. I'm going to do what you did because you were obedient and you were here. And God obviously used you to interrupt my whole life right now. I'm going to be obedient to God. And the first step of obedience that he took was to say, hey, there's a body of water over there. Why don't you go baptize me? Obedience. We're going to talk about in the coming weeks about the obedience portion of using these gifts. We're going to talk about what happens if we do or don't. Be obedient if we do or don't use the gifts that God has given us. We're going to look at several different passages over the coming weeks, and I'm excited about those. But this is kind of where it all starts. God has gifted you. He's he's given you the abilities. Now will you use them? Will you be obedient? Will you let God use you in the way that he wants to use you? Will you follow his Holy Spirit and just be obedient? If you in your life, you, you say, Kenny, I've never been baptized. I wasn't obedient in that first step. Will you come talk to me? It can be right now at this time of response when we just let people pray and let God sink into their hearts what he's spoken to them about. You you can come now. You can come after the service and say, Kenny, I need to be baptized. This is the first step of obedience, and I know that, and I need to to take it. Jesus got baptized not because uh, he he needed to identify with the body of Christ. He's the head of the body of Christ, so he didn't need to identify with the body of Christ. He did it as an example for you and I and to show us the importance of it. And it show us how desperately we need to be baptized. And when he did, the heavens opened up and a dove descended down from heaven. And it was this Holy Spirit just pouring out on Jesus. And God spoke and said, this is my son of whom I am well pleased. Seems like a pretty big deal to me. Seems like something that we should do. The other thing is this. If you have been baptized, if you have followed the leadership of God and, and you've, you've, you're part of the body of Christ, you've identified with that through baptism, you recognize that God has gifted you in certain ways. You see it. Now, you, may not, you may not talk about it. You may not really talk about it with other people. But you know what God's motivating you and pulling you and challenging you to do. The question is, will you? He, he puts that in our courts. See, God doesn't force us to do anything. He, he doesn't say, well, now you have to go do this. And we, we're robots and we start walking like this. No, he just says, here it is. Here's what my word says. Here's, here's what my word says that we're supposed to do. And he goes, will you? It's always an invitation with Jesus. It's always an invitation. He doesn't force us to do anything. It's always an invitation. So my question to you is, will you? In whatever area God has gifted you and called you, will you? Let me pray and we'll have a time of response. Father, Lord, I, I know that there are people here that, God, this is set heavy on their hearts. Because there are certain things that you, you've challenged them with. There are certain things that when I talked about these spiritual gifts, they, they knew that there were certain people that they were close to, that they were supposed to share the gospel with, that they were supposed to tell them about Jesus in some way. God, there have been so many times in my life where I felt like I just missed golden opportunities to tell somebody about Jesus. Lord, I don't want to miss those opportunities anymore. I, I just want to be obedient to you. As your Holy Spirit leads, God, that you just direct my steps and I would just be obedient. God, I, I commit myself to trying to be obedient. The best way I know how, with how you've gifted me, Lord, I, just, I commit myself to following your leadership. God, I know that there are people here, they just need to make that commitment in their hearts. They need to make that commitment of following you. Maybe it's following you in believer's baptism, or or maybe it's following you and sharing Christ with somebody, or following you and bringing somebody into simple church, or bringing them to a small group, or a D-Now session, or whatever the, the, the challenge may be. God, I know that there are people that are struggling with that in their hearts right now. God, my prayer is not that you would put them at peace over it, but that burden would grow. God, that maybe that burden would grow in such a way that it keeps them awake at night. God, but the only way that we can be set free from that burden is to do what you've called us to do. So, God, I pray that we would do that. We would just be obedient. God, maybe there's somebody here that they've never put their trust and faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the the cross for their sin. I pray that today they they would come forward, they would talk to me, they would talk to somebody and say, I need, I need to be brought into this family, this, this royal priesthood. I need to be brought into this kingdom. I know that God is calling me to it. And, Lord, I just... Just help me to be strong and help me to be obedient. God, if there's somebody like that today, God, I pray. God, I pray that they would just take that step. I, I pray that as you invite them, will you? God, I pray that today their response would be yes. Father, thank you so much for this word. Thank you so much for how it challenged us. God, I pray that you would just move in our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, please stand.